Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Syracuse Sports Makes Me Drink. It is one of what's going to be several episodes under the Troy Noons and Absolute Podcast banner. Um, we'll find a simpler way to present that at some point. But I'm John Casillo, and with me today is Dan Lyons. Hello, everyone. Happy, uh, hopefully something better happens in this basketball game that we're recording during, because we always seem to get caught recording during games now. There's just too many, like, Tuesday, Wednesday games this Yeah, year? this one's a bit of my fault. I have a scheduling conflict, but, like, I feel like Wednesday, which is, like, our general day, has been, like, we have a game, like, every Wednesday. It's ridiculous. Yeah, it is kind of weird. But, yeah, Syracuse is not starting off all that well against Florida State. They're shooting kind of middling from the floor. Florida State is shooting lights out from the floor. You add those two things together with an offense that doesn't necessarily move the ball uh, very quickly, and that's how you end up down 16 to 18 points um, pretty early in the first half. So not a, not the type of start Syracuse is looking for. Um, you know, even a loss here. And again, like we're going to avoid too much of the like talking about a current game in the future uh, talk where we can, but. You know, even a loss against Florida State, and something we talked about last week a little bit too, like doesn't really, it doesn't harm Syracuse that much because Florida State is a top 25 team. It would help Syracuse a ton, though, to get this win because it would help balance out the resume a little bit um, since right now it's kind of resting squarely on the uh, the win at Duke. Yeah, the win at Duke and the, and the good road record, I think, uh, also helps. Yeah. And, like, we don't have any real, like, giant like luckily the the losses that we had earlier in the year we've balanced out with like pretty decent wins across the board it's just dude's the only one that really stands out so it would be nice to get another ranked win in florida state even if they're kind of floating on the fringes of the the back end of the top 25 but not a great start but we'll see you know how things end up we don't don't need to harp on this especially because we're going to be done before the game is over so no no fun no fun recaps (laughs) here no fun recaps no live podcast this time around um, we denied everybody during the Boston College game, and that seemed to work out for us. Um, so we're going to deny everybody again and see what happens here. I have some faith we can make this close. Um, in any case, though... They're not going to shoot 78% from three all game. No, I, I feel not. reasonably good about that. But yeah, got to stop the transition, which is where they've done most of their damage. Agreed, anyway. agreed. <laughs> but yeah, Dan, you mentioned uh, one of the best parts about Syracuse's uh, kind of resume right now. Um, and it's surprisingly not the home record, but the ro- road record. They're five and one on the road. They've looked really good for the most part. Um, you know, save that Virginia Tech game. I think that you know when you compare this to previous teams and previous teams that were hanging around the bubble, like this one maybe uh, once again. Like their road record is, I think, their best since thirteen fourteen, and that was not a bubble team. So yeah, this is not unchar- uncharted territory, but interesting enough territory that like. If this Syracuse team continues to play really well on the road, like how do you, how do you evaluate them? You know, compared to the rest of the field, that probably doesn't, you know, ha- have this many pelts, so to speak, um, away from away from their home arena. Yeah, it's tough to know because like we've seen Syracuse teams get in with pretty poor road records, uh, but dominance at home. It seems like there's never like a truly consistent guide for how you get into the tournament. Um, but I think road road wins. I mean, we know with the net rating. Uh, and the quadrants that road wins do count for a bit more, um, at least like head to head. And the fact that we have the win at Duke, the fact that our only loss on the road is at a, a very good Vatech team, I think these are all positives. And the fact that like you know they've also looked like pretty good in these games. I know they haven't always gotten the the double the magic double digit win, but like even at BC at Pitt, like those aren't train wreck teams. And winning by eight and seven or six and seven, uh, respectively, is solid. Um, 
and I, I think uh, it, it really plays in that we have this this veteran team that uh, doesn't get flustered by these kind of games, uh, especially with like the the NCAA tournament history that a lot of these guys have now. Really helps in that regard. We heard Ty, I think it was Tyus, that said like, arguably they they're they're even more comfortable on the road than they are at home, uh, which seems weird, but uh, I think the results kind of bear it out. And and even when we've you know had some some tough spots, both in, in games at home and on the road, aside from like Vought Tech. They've they've found ways to rally. Uh, hopefully again tonight. But um, overall, like I I I much rather have this kind of road record than having to sweat it out with like a you know whatever the mark was a couple years like two and nine or whatever we were when we had that really weird resume that we ended up sneaking in with. But I also don't know that we're gonna have like the magnitude of multiple home wins like we had that year either. So it, it might be pretty valuable. Yeah, I mean honestly, I I think that the key to getting in is gonna be. I think has increasingly become winning away from home, whether that's on a neutral site or, or like, you know, the true road game emphasis that the net is seemingly put on. I think last year's team, you know, picked up the right wins away from home. Um, I, I think two years before that, uh, that orange team also picked up the right wins away from home. The, you know, 2016, 17 team did not. And that's why they didn't make the tournament. So if, if we can pick up another quality win of some sort on the road this year, and we have a few opportunities to do that, um, I, I think this team, barring some sort of total collapse otherwise in the rest of the schedule, should look pretty good um, compared to the rest of the field. Now, you know, th- that's not me saying they're in. That's me saying compared to the rest of the at-large teams right now, that looks pretty good. However, you know, uh, teams can kind of play their way in, obviously, through conference tournaments, which are an abomination, and I absolutely hate them. Um, teams can play their way in you know, in various other ways just over the course of the rest of the season where a team that we don't really have on our radar right now picks up a couple quality wins and suddenly they're in the conversation before they even get to the conference tournament. Like, there's a lot more basketball to play, and I think Syracuse is set up really well. Um, as we discussed last week, you know, there, was a lot of, there are a lot of opportunities here for Syracuse to play their way in. There's also a lot of opportunities for them to play their way out based on the, uh, the quality of schedule remaining. So, I'm not going to jump to any conclusions, I think. Right now, uh, even even a loss against Florida State, um, SU is pretty much exactly where we thought they were going to be. Yeah, and it's something that they've banked a bunch of wins. I mean, looking at the ACC standings, there's a pretty clear top six with, obviously, UVA, Duke, UNC, who all have one loss in league, and then us and Louisville have two, and Vatek seven and three. And there's a pretty big gap, uh, two full, a two-full game gap between Vatek and this Florida State team, uh, who are at four and four uh, going into tonight. So it's nice to have like that much of a of a buffer going into this like crazy stretch we have coming up um, after Florida State and then BC again. Uh, NC State looked more looked maybe more daunting than, than it. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy! <laughs> this time last week <laughs> before I think we, they. I think we got to mention this game. Yeah, um, if you missed it, uh, which you may have, because it was Super Bowl weekend and we had a game right after this happened. Um, NC State was held to twenty four points in a game in a full game. Uh, a basketball game. Which is stunning. They scored more points against us in football. Yeah, if NC State had only scored 24 against this year's pretty mediocre Vatek football team, I think they would have been relatively disappointed, but Foster and all. Uh, they scored 24 points against uh, the Vatek basketball team, so it makes our Vatek loss look better, I think, because NC State was ranked when this happened, and I think it was, I believe, uh, I heard before, I, before we hopped on here, I was listening to uh, One Shining Podcast the Ringer College Basketball Podcast. And I'm pretty sure they looked it up and said that it was like the, the fewest points they could find from a ranked team ever. That's 
stunning. I mean, that, which isn't that hard to find, because, like, going back, you just have to... I mean, basically, if you just go back to the Shot Clock era, like, it's probably pretty believable. I can't imagine... There's a few points NC State had ever stored in the Shot Clock era, so... I just... Like, I didn't watch the game, and, I, like, I wasn't planning to watch the game, and then afterward, like, I had some regret I didn't watch, but I also had, like... A, I was really thankful, especially after then watching a disaster of a Super Bowl. Like, I was really glad I didn't subject myself to, to two defensive struggles. But, like... For, for, from what you could take away, like what was what, what was the main what was the main bit of ineptitude that, that NC State just 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 achieved uh, on a historic level? Um, I didn't get to, I didn't watch the game. I was in the car when it was happening. I was completely unaware of it. And then I had like a couple different people text me like LOL State or like something non-specific like that. And then I looked and and caught like the stats basically right at the end. I believe like Braxton Beverly was like 0 for 12 from the field or something. And like generally, I think a pretty um, decent shooting team. They shoot about the same numbers as us, and uh, at least in ACC play. I mean, they're they're at thirty six percent from from three for the year. We're at like thirty six percent from from three for the ACC season since we started to rediscover that part of our game. Um, so an average, I'd say, an average shooting team um, just did not hit any shots. <laughs> Which like, there's bad offense, and then there's just like <laughs> complete, almost unsustainable ineptitude. Like uh, an average college basketball team will not be able to recreate that poorly. Of, performance if they tried um their their, i think their high score was like seven points this is performance um, art i like i'm looking at the box score and my tech wasn't good either no. my tech shot 35 just just over 35 percent from the field um actually hit a third of their threes uh which i'm sure makes every syracuse fan very happy after after the way they shot against us uh, but they're usually a good shooting team nc state was two for 28 from three they were nine for 54 from the field imagine only hitting nine shots in an entire game i think syracuse we're playing like crap right now i think we've probably hit nine shots in this game already this is this is stunning yeah we have we're nine for 23 right now (laughs) so like they they've it's incredible like we're playing poorly against florida state and we are three points behind what nc state stored for the game remarkable one of the most remarkable box scores you can look at um they have six players who scored between two and seven points I like I, I I took it I took a passing glance at it the other day, but this is, I mean, yeah. The, 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 as I said, this is performance art. Like th- this will never happen again. Yeah, and they'll probably shoot great against us. They're probably gonna they're probably gonna shoot like thirty eight percent from three against us, and it'll be like a dogfight either way. Um, it's on the road. Uh, so it, this is not to say like LOL. The we're gonna win the NC State game by twenty. Because, like, I, I don't think you can... It, it was so far below, like, bad performance that it almost comes back around where you're, like, you just throw your hands in the air and just, like, all right, okay, whatever. That being said, like, we do we do know now there is a there is a very low floor for what that team can do. Um, not, to, not to assume they're going to do it, but I think it does make it feel a little bit easier heading into then the, the hellish uh, versus Louisville, versus Duke at UNC stretch uh, triumvirate over the course of, I think, seven days. Um, right after that, so yeah. Uh, even if we lose this Florida State game, uh, we played pretty well against BC. We have them at home. I think we should feel pretty confident that we can do that again. Um, I think we should feel at least like you know the NC State game is very gettable. Uh, and then you just have to withstand that that next three game stretch. Even if we only get, if we only pick up one of those, which there's a chance we don't, but if we pick up one of those three and we maybe split the next two, I think we're still looking pretty good. That would give us 18. That would put us at 18 and 9 after our worst stretch of the season. And then we get to finish with a Clemson team that we already beat, 
on the road at the end, but uh, at Wake, who was bottoming out, and then versus UVA. So, I mean, that, there's a path to 20 wins that's pretty direct, I think. Yeah, I, I completely buy that. And I know, again, we, we talked last week kind of about, like, where Syracuse needs to finish. I think the right wins, uh, you know, from 10 and 8 will get you there. I think 11 and 7, you're in, in, in terms of, you know, the, the ACC record. I think if you win one of the Louisville-Duke-North Carolina games, um, you're looking really good. Just because yeah. those, those three teams are, are seem to be, you know, unequivocal, like, top 15 squads this year. I think you beat any of them or Virginia, um, and, and I think you're in because then that gives you, if you beat Duke or North Carolina or Virginia, you're looking at two top 10 wins. There's not a whole lot of teams that'd be able to, to make that claim over the course of the season, at least not on the, on the seed lines that we'd be looking at. So that's, uh, that, that's one thing to be at least mildly optimistic about. State's still a really good win if you get it on the road. Like you said, BC is manageable. Wake's manageable. Clemson's manageable. Like, the the wins are there to get to get to eleven, even without like knocking knocking off one of these you know ranked kind of giants. Yep, and and even I mean Duke obviously it's going to be a different game this time. They're going to probably come out with their hair on fire against us after what happened down in Cameron. But like you know, there's a we we've seen this team beat that Duke team. Like I don't expect it to happen again. Obviously Trey Jones is back and is a menace on defense. But it wouldn't be like, you know, our team's not going to be afraid of that game. Um, at UNC and versus Louisville, I think those are very, very good teams. But we've seen mediocre Syracuse teams beat teams better than that. Almost every year it happens. So I, I definitely feel pretty good even with how the Florida State started. And obviously this game has gotten closer since we started this podcast. But, like, the path to 11 is, is not it's not crazy. Um, the path to 12 isn't honestly all that crazy. 12 wins in the ACC. And if they get that, I think we've talked about it the last couple of weeks. Like, 12, I think you're a mortal lock no matter what happens in the ACC tournament. And if we get that, we're probably looking at at least one bye, um, maybe even two in the ACC tournament. Yeah, which is pretty crazy considering like that we might end this regular season getting that despite really not knowing our uh, our fate, which is... And we haven't really been talked up. Like, like we've gotten... We, we've, we've flown so far into the radar because of the Buffalo and ODU losses early that like we've been sitting in the top section of the ACC standings the whole season because we started what three or four and oh um and we just have not gotten hype we're barely we're like we think we had three votes in the top 25 poll this week which I don't really mind it doesn't bother me but it's funny that like for a name program people are just not buying on us early I think it's gonna take like I think you know if we win this game if we come back and win this one and then beat BC over the weekend like I, I still don't know if we're actually going to break into the top 25 and in that case we'd be 18 and 6 and a 9 and 2 ACC record maybe then eventually we're, we're finally in but it's wild like how little credit we've gotten except like aside, even though we had you know those weird early losses yeah I I do think that people are really sleeping on Syracuse and I'm not like I, I've never been one to be like overly optimistic about this team and, and, and there's definitely a record to show that on my end but I, I think that th- there is just this, like, complete, you know, ignoring Syracuse from, from a lot of pundits other than, you know, I know Rothstein mentioned us in Florida State earlier today. And, and in general, like, there are some people that will just mention the Duke win. But, like, overall, um, for, for, for a name program, you know, we're, we're just not getting much buzz or much hype or anything like that. And, and that's fine. Said we, we, We've been in that situation before. I'm fine with whatever coverage we do or don't get. 
Um, especially right now, like right now, we're not necessarily a team that, you know, looks like a title contender. We're a team that, like we have been in recent years, a team that looks like they can scare some people in the tournament. Um, and that's fine for, for, for the time being. If we end up parlaying that into something more, even better. Um, I, uh, I do think that, you know, I think if we do lose this Florida State game and, like, it's really not looking good right now, I think that game day is probably off the table. I think it already was off the table, um, given that Duke and v- UVA is game day this coming weekend. I don't really care. Honestly, like, college basketball game day is not that big a deal. Yeah. <laughs> like, I mean, it's more fun for the students, to be honest. Yeah. No, I had a good time with it when we were when we had it. I think we only had it once, maybe twice when I was there. Yeah, the no, Nova game. And that was fine. I enjoyed it. But, like, in terms of what it means for your program, it, it's not yeah. that big a deal. Football's a much bigger, like, whole thing. Especially because we haven't had it. And, like, that's what we get it every couple of years. So... That, you know, I, I guess I'd rather have us get it than not, but it's not going to, like, I don't think that's some, like, huge loss for the season. Yeah, I totally agree. I think there's a lot of fans that are, like, kind of excited about it and, and, and like, want it. But, yeah, at this point, I, I think that it's uh, it's probably out of our grasp. And, and like you said, that's fine. It doesn't – so it's not going to make or break this program. We, we've been to the top of the mountain. We've been near it. We don't need we, – we, we don't need that, that extra validation – to just say, oh, ESPN covered us a bunch. Like, when Syracuse is doing really well, you you very much know it if you're watching ESPN because the uh, the, the, the fleet of graduates <laughs> that that are on the network are happy to remind you. Yeah, we 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 don't hurt for attention. Oh, I think three. Hey, we're actually only down by ten. Uh, actually, thirteen now. My feet's behind. But uh, so yeah, this thing has gotten a little closer. It was like twenty at one point. Um, so we'll check in, I guess, by the end of the podcast, we're not going to do the play by play, but no, this one's definitely not over yet. I'm also, if we pull this off, I, I will be curious to see like what the biggest Syracuse comeback of all time is. Yeah. It's weird. Cause it's like, you know, I'm trying to remember those like crazy, there's like a couple of crazy games from like the 2010 to 2012 run where we would be like down 20 early because we just couldn't get, stop anyone. Then we'd come back and win like the, uh, I think the Villanova uh, record-breaking game uh, was that was one of those. Uh, we had one of one of them in Georgetown, I think. But there was definitely like a history with those kind of teams where we'd fall behind early. Oh hey, watch ESPN just cut to uh, commercial in the middle of the play. That was fun. Win you. Um, yeah, great service. But yeah, I, I I don't think 20 points is the record. Is what I was going for there uh, before the the one second of Greek freak promo decided to take over my feed. But um. Yeah, it, it's. Uh, I would. That would be interesting. I wonder if uh, Orange Hoops has that. Twenty might. Uh, I got twenty. The the one that I remember personally was the Wichita State Syracuse game that was predated your time. It was two thousand six, two thousand seven season before everything went to shit. At the time, Wichita State was ranked seventeenth. Syracuse was ranked fifteenth. It was a huge game. Uh, you know, we were still passing around the uh, cheat sheets and stuff like that. Everyone was psyched out of their minds. A bunch of my friends were, like, blacked out for the game. Syracuse was down by 23 at one point to the Shockers. Um, came all the way back. Um, actually tied the game. And then Hakeem Warwick missed a—not Hakeem Warwick, um, excuse me. Uh, Demetrius Nichols missed a dunk. That would have given us the lead, and then we lost 64-61. I have never seen—I never heard the Dome as loud as I did that day. When we came, when we, we battled all the way back from twenty three down. That's 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 so so bizarre to like lose. 
like you never remember like think of those kind of games where you have that kind of comeback and you still lose it. Um, I'm looking, and like the Dougal results are like obviously all about our Virginia game a couple of years ago in the tournament, which makes sense. Right. But that wasn't the biggest comeback. It was just crazy, like against that defense. I don't even remember what the margin was there. That was sixteen. Yeah, it was big, but it wasn't double digits. So we know we have a big one in that. But uh, anyway, we were doing, we were down twenty. We're now down eight. But yeah, so this game would be nice. I think it would be a, a nice feather in the cap, but not a super you know must win. Uh, and no game of February really ever is. Actually, no game of college basketball is because you can always make your, you can always win your conference tournament. Too true. Too true. Um... There's never been a regular season must win college basketball game. That is a, <laughs> that is a very unless you're in like no, not even the Ivy League anymore. That is a verified fact. I buy it. I think I think that's a that, that's a take if you want to run with it somewhere. It's a take, but I, it's also a fact because you can always make the tournament. There's there's a path for every team to make the tournament in March. Yeah, I, I this is why I hate championship weekend because it's really just a TV <laughs> grab and nothing more. It is a TV grab. I will say I enjoy I enjoy it for not so much. Honestly, even the like ACC tournament, I don't think has the same luster as the Big East does, and that's the only Big East over ACC take I will allow. <laughs> I think the Big East tournament was a lot more fun than the ACC tournament's been, and that's probably largely because Syracuse has been bad at the ACC tournament. But also, I do enjoy like the week of like like looking in to see how the SoCon's doing and finding out what teams are kind of pesty and seeing any single elimination basketball team is pretty exciting by default, I think. See, I just hate those. What what I hate, though, is that it knocks out so many more dessert. Like, I I wrote this article. Oh, that's 100% true. I wrote this article a couple years ago. Like, the amount of times that a very good mid-major that probably would have won a game or two gets knocked out and hurts their confidence. Like a 15 and 17 team. Yeah. yeah, No, you're 100% right. There's, There's, it's not the best way to decide anything. But, I don't even know why they agree to it, to be honest. Like, if like if like if you're a power program in the MAAC or like in any of these others, like Missouri Valley or whatever, why why would you even agree to this? Because I guarantee that you'd make more money with the NCAA tournament credits from having a team that could actually win a game or two than yeah, because you're losing like potential like 13, 14 seeds who could actually be pesty early right. on versus... for, for a playing game. For a playing game and for like you know a little bit of TV attention, but you're gonna get the TV attention after the NCAA tournament. Right. Yeah. Like I understand it from from like some regard. It's definitely not the most fair way to do things. I don't know. I feel like you could still you're still playing for seeds. So even if you want to have your tournament but have your regular season champion go to the NCAA's and maybe have your tournament for the NIT or for um, something else, I think you could still sell it. Yeah. I, I, I buy the idea, but I, I, I digress. We'll, we'll, we'll fix college basketball another day. Um, before we get to halftime, did want to talk a little football. I'm going to talk a little more football when we get back. I know everyone's thrilled. Uh, you have a po- college basketball podcast of your own now, critics. There's an entire show that never, that never leaves the basketball conversation. This one I don't know. They talked about the Super Bowl for about two minutes today. I was very perturbed. I mean, well, I, I I would just be perturbed talking about this specific Super Bowl for any amount of time. Two minutes. I, I told we we need to yell at them. It's basketball only. It cannot be off topic because there's a podcast for that. I don't like <laughs> infringements on the brand. This is fair. Um, <laughs> as mentioned, football. Uh, Syracuse scheduled uh, university. Well, Ohio University. Excuse me. Didn't want to commit the sin of, of messing it up. 
the, uh, the Ohio University. The, the Ohio University at Athens. Um, scheduled Ohio for 2021 and 2024. We'll visit the Bobcats in 2021 to start the season, and we'll kick off 2024 at the Dome against Ohio. Um, Frank Solich probably will not be the coach by the time this series starts. Uh, Solich has done a really nice job um, in Athens for the last 14 years or so, where they've had just one losing season. These teams you would think would have played a ton over the years, but uh, we last played in 1921. We won 38 to nothing, and five years before that, we won 73 to nothing. So this is not necessarily a uh, a long-standing series, um, but it's it's a necessary one. It it, it locks up the 2021 schedule uh, for us. It gets the 2024 schedule moving a little bit. I know we discuss here and there that like we are a bit behind. Uh, on some of these future schedules, even if not like criminally so. It's just nice to to get these home-and-homes that, that then give us two dates. We don't necessarily have to shell out a ton of money for a pay game like we have with teams like Middle Tennessee State, which have beaten us in those. I'm fine with this. I, I don't really mind going on the road against Ohio. I think it helps with recruiting in some ways. Um, yeah, no, no real complaints. I know when it, the news first broke, there were a lot of people tweeting at me wondering what my take was and since this was hinted out a couple of years ago, well, last year, really, um, early, and it was supposed to be a 2022 game originally, um, I already had a, an opinion on Ohio, and it was fine. I think you can make a legitimate gripe with, like, maybe we shouldn't be signing home-and-homes with Mac schools, and that's that's fine. But everybody like, I, is. Missouri, Missouri has to. Miami has to. Yeah. I mean, we saw Miami was in, like, Toledo this year, and even some of those are, like, 2 for ones but still, like, I get the notion there. But it locks us up for 2021, and this is like, like you were saying, we we still have some scheduling issues. They are way less bad than they used to be. Yep. Um, we are a lot better. We already had, uh, we already have seven home games for 2021. So like, yeah, we could have taken eight. Like that's not like there's nothing against that. But we don't need um, to. We don't need to. It allows us to start on the road, which we've talked about uh, as a as a positive, considering the the state fair and everything else. Um, and the home schedule is already very very workable. Um, obviously, we don't know what all these teams will look like, but generally speaking, our home slate that year is Rutgers, uh, Liberty, Albany, BC, Clemson, Pitt, Wake Forest. There is only one of those schools uh, that is like at a different tier than us, like a higher tier than us in terms of the college ba- uh, football landscape, um, and all the rest. Like, assuming if we're like a decent Syracuse team, like what we expect to be on an average year going forward, six of those games we should be favored in, based on like how things look now. Obviously, things do change, but. Like, so, that sign me pretty, up. Yeah. And and the road, like, adding Ohio on the road, I think, is, is pretty workable. When the, when the road slate is more more difficult based on, like, how these teams usually are. Florida State, Louisville, NC State, Fox Tech. So, yeah, I think if you're going to add a Mac road game, this is, like, the perfect time to do it. And then 2024, obviously, it helps us fill up some things. And even then, because we have that Army road trip, having Ohio home that year helps because – uh, I think we still have two games to schedule. One's going to be an FCS at home. Um, who knows what that second game is? It might be a second home game, but at least this ensures that we have at least six, even possibly seven at home that year, which is always good. Well, as I've said before, I, I, I don't buy the the excuse that uh, that Army counts as a, as a P5 school because the ACC has never released any information that says that's the case. And <laughs> I have a feeling, based on how when Purdue was scheduled as well, that Army does not count. Yeah, and also, haven't we, like, submitted requests? Uh, Someone has. I've, I mean, Syracuse told me it counts. 
The ACC <laughs> has not answered any any of my requests to confirm or deny. Oh. Which, which is so. There's a good chance that one of those will be a road. Well, we're not playing an FCS team that year, almost definitely. Yeah. I don't remember the last time. When was the last time we didn't play an FCS? 2012. 20, 2012 was the last one, but we all, but we did play one in 2011 and 2010 and 2009. And, yeah, 2012 was the weird year because West Virginia decided to leave the Big East with right. like one month's notice. Well, that and TCU didn't show up. Right. Um. So we our whole schedule for all the complaining of the schedule that year. Uh, with us going on the road at Mizzou and also hosting. We played three Big Ten teams that year. Um, it wasn't entirely our fault for once. Yeah. Um, but at the same but, time, the Big Ten teams were entirely our fault. Well, I mean, there was only so much we could do. No, but I mean, the Big Ten teams were already there. Like the oh, Big... yeah, the fact that we had Minnesota and Northwestern. Yeah, like Missouri was the was the last second edition. That that, right. that we that we had to suffer through, like the other stuff, like that was already on there. Like we just decided to to, to murder ourselves that season. Yeah, we had an unnecessarily hard schedule that year, and then we added to it because of West Virginia. But anyway, so like we almost always play an FCS team. That'll be the home game where we're very possibly going to have to buy an away game at the end there uh, because we're going to not have leverage. What's up, um, LSU? Oh God. <laughs> I, we could probably already start figuring out who it'll be because most teams or many teams will already have their 2024 locked up. So it won't be that hard to figure out. But either way, uh, I do think Ohio, there are more positives here. And also, if you're going to play Adamac school, have it be in Ohio where you recruit versus like, I mean, I, I don't know, like, Eastern what, what Michigan, like Michigan where it's useless. Yeah, I mean, we do recruit Michigan a little we bit, do. but not as much. Ohio is a better, better recruiting ground. Like, if we were going to UMass, like, obviously we recruit New England, but, like... We already play BC every other year. We already play BC. Um, so I do think the, the pros that way the cons here. It's been, and like you said, uh, they'll probably be in a new coach. The the potential that it, it works out as well as Solich has, very low. Um, he's been awesome there. Best coach they've ever had by a mile. Yeah, and I think that's generally viewed as, like, one of the harder Mac jobs. Um, because you're in Ohio, you're... There are so many schools picking from that state, not just Ohio State, um, but it's a one power five uh, school uh, state. So they basically have the run of everyone. Plus Cincinnati is going to recruit at a much higher level than you. Plus Michigan's going to go get their guys there. Notre Dame's all over the state. Um, it's not easy. There aren't a lot of straps like there are in Florida for the MAC to, to, to choose from. Um, plus Miami, Ohio, you're, you're there battling out with and all the rest of the MAC schools. So, uh, yeah, it's it, there's a very good chance this will be a much more winnable game than it already is by the time we get to it. Yeah, I would agree. And uh, at some point during the offseason, we'll have a, a full scheduling talk. We'll talk about on the blog and then on the uh, on the podcast here, kind of you know what the openings are and, and what we're looking for. But yeah, I, I think that teams like Ohio are a good step in the right direction. I, I've already expressed my problems with the Purdue series, if only because I felt like one of those games, the one that overlaps with Notre Dame, was completely unnecessary. But alas, I mean, again, who knows Who knows where we're going to be? Who knows what type of team this is going to be? Um, for all we know, we're suddenly an annual you know, ACC contender and then going on the road against Purdue and facing Notre Dame in the same season you know, is, is fine, and we end up going 9-3. and three. I, I, don't, I don't know. I'm not even claiming to know. Um, the, 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 all this conversation could be for absolutely nothing. Yep, and that's why it is so dumb that we schedule these things out so far in advance. I wish they would just pass a rule. It says, like in college basketball, everything is scheduled the year leading up. Agreed. Be agreed. So much smarter. Actually, I, I'd be fine with four years. Give, give me a give me a four year max. 
because then you can then you can tell a kid when they get there in in four years within four years you're going to be at like we're going to be at somewhere i that's i mean that's more workable than what we have now which is there are no schedule until 2040 i mean there are there are big 10 games in like 2031 schedule like it's insane we have noted aim games scheduled in like 2037 yeah, I mean that makes sense because it's like a rotating yeah, thing. But everything but, um, else. Yes, but like there are there are like middling power five schools that have twenty thirty one games scheduled. We don't I don't think that's necessary and I don't think it's doing anyone any real good. Because then you have things like the Alabama Louisville game this year, which when it was scheduled, I assumed I mean I, I don't think people thought Louisville was gonna be competitive with Alabama, but I don't think they thought Louisville was gonna be this. Yeah. And even uh even entering the year, like with Lamar Jackson gone, I think that would not have happened. Um, even if we thought Louisville was going to be a seven-win or an eight-win team. Well, Vegas thought they were going to be an eight-win team. I said, smash that under, and I was right. So, <laughs> <laughs> wish I had... The only time you should have listened to gambling advice from me. Um, but yeah, let's talk a little halftime, since uh, so we started to run into the second half, but it's cool, because we were talking football. So, uh, what have you been drinking, Dan? Um, I didn't do much drinking. The only new thing I had, which was very good, so I'm happy I had it, um, I had the Shadow Work uh, from Grimm, uh, one of my favorite breweries here in the city, one that I still haven't been to the awesome-looking brew house for. It is a very interesting, it was a, a uh, barrel-aged sour and young brown ale uh, blend and brought, like, all of those very distinct flavors, uh, I think, in a very nice way. Uh, nothing too, um, didn't really clash at all. You had, like, the, the kind of caramelly, OD uh, flavors from the brown ale with um, really nice sour notes, so... Uh, really enjoyed that for my one kind of unique beer of the week. I'm going to North Carolina this weekend, so hopefully I will be able to grab some more interesting stuff. Uh, but that was my only one really this week. Nice. I always enjoy NC brews. So yeah, we're going to be on the mountains, back. so I don't know. Ooh. You're going to be near Asheville stuff? Uh, I think we're farther. We're going to be in We're going to be like where App State is. Oh, nice. So I don't know what the – I mean, I know the brewery's in the whole state's do it, so I'll have to see if we can uh, find some good local stuff there. Well, let me know. Um, on my end, had a couple new things. Uh, Stone has their uh, Grapefruit Slam, uh, Grapefruit Double IPA. Super good. West Coast IPA. Exactly what anyone who's listened to this show for an extended amount of time knows I prefer. This is this is probably more dangerous than uh, Sculpin because it's 8% and it drinks like it's a session. But super, super good. Um, I don't know if that's really getting anywhere outside of like Southern California. Unfortunately, uh, for most of you listening, also had Beachwood's uh, 28 Haze Later. It was good. I'm not, I'm feeling like I'm not really, I just don't need Haze in my life anymore. Like, there's just a lot of breweries, like, it's just, it's getting cloying to me, but that's a whole nother conversation. I had McKellar's American Pale Ale, um, and I was at the dinner on Saturday night, um, and then during the uh, ill-fated Super Bowl, I was drinking um, Stone Tropic of Thunder, a beer I have mentioned numerous times um, over the last few months. It's become a staple in my fridge. Nice. Indeed. Um, so a little more football before we get back to basketball. Um, signing day. Uh, we're recording this on Tuesday, so it's before signing day on Wednesday morning. Um, we don't have to belabor this too much. Early signing period. Um, covered most of it, but we had two kids who are already committed um, and should, unless something weird happens, um, be signing on the dotted line early in the morning. It's Jason Munoz from uh, Fort Lauderdale. He's a St. Thomas Aquinas kid. 
and uh, SU's had a, a f- quite a few of those over the years. Um, and then David Summers, quarterback from uh, Trumbull, Connecticut, um, I believe he's from St. Joseph. Um, is it St. Joseph? There's another school of a similar name. It's St. Somewhere. It is St. Joseph. Uh, he's at St. Joe's, yeah. Um, I actually used to work for the current athletic director there. I should probably shoot him an email and get the, uh, the stoop. There you go. But yeah, um, both of these guys were, were late flips. Uh, Munoz actually got out of his uh, letter of intent from Miami after the coaching change when uh, Manny Diaz took over for retiring Mark Richt. Uh, Summers flipped from Maryland after it seems like uh, Mike Loxley didn't necessarily put in the work to keep him in the fold. I think Munoz, to be honest, the guy's a monster, six foot four, two seventy six. Like getting that out of out of a you know high school senior, like. I am very, very high on what, what he could be for this uh, for this defense as, as soon as maybe even this year, depending on what happens. Um, I know Miami recruited him as a defensive tackle. He might end up sliding inside for us too. Um, very high on him. Summers, I think, is a really good addition. He uh, is a connection uh, with him in the program already. Quarterback coach Leon Clark, coach Tommy DeVito, also coaches Summers. I think Summers, you know, is not the same type of highly touted recruit that uh that devito is but he's still a very good player um seems like an accurate passer um and at worst just gives us the uh the peace of mind with chance amy gone that we uh that we have another option at quarterback that we can put some faith into he looks you can kind of tell if you watch his video i was watching some highlights from the state championship which st joe's uh they won the the connecticut class m by like 70 like they, they put up 70 points in the game um in a pretty competitive state but you could tell he he uh not not the strong the arm isn't as strong as, as uh, Devito, but like he has a very similar motion, and you can kind of tell he's worked with the same guys. Um, so I think I mean I think it makes perfect sense to have him come in, uh, especially with Chance Amy leaving, adds to our depth at the position. Um, and if there was something to happen with Devito, obviously you don't expect Summers to like step in and and uh, you know be the guy. But when you have a similar um, type of player. I think it makes the transition easier if there was something to happen with either DeVito getting hurt or DeVito leaving, you know, us before we expect to versus like, and obviously it worked out very well this year, but um, DeVito and, and Dungey were obviously incredibly different passers, uh, which presented itself their own interesting wrinkles. And we saw that more early on, like when we brought DeVito in, in the Western Michigan game where he clearly wasn't comfortable yet, but when we let DeVito get kind of extended run, uh, in those Florida State and UNC games, and we were definitely running uh, more DeVito-centric stuff, he looked a lot better. So in this case, like, I think you'd be, you know, the offense isn't going to change very much from DeVito to Summers if, if he needs to step in for any reason. So I like the ad. Um, I always enjoy uh, local kids for me from Connecticut getting looks. Obviously, with, like, Irv Phillips, it worked out really well. Um, he comes from a good program. Uh, looks like a really solid player, especially get one this late in the cycle. Yeah, I agree. I think those two guys in particular, like, I'm really excited to bring on. Also excited to look at, you know, some of these other kids. Um, and again, this isn't going to be like a huge signing day special or anything like that. I think we're out on Dorian Hewitt. I know, you know, never say never, but um, he decommitted um, probably about a month ago, visited Utah, seemed pretty high on the Utes, so wouldn't doubt it if he ends up there. Um, Garrison Johnson um, is, I think, almost definitely headed to Syracuse. Uh, he's from Manville, which is the same place that uh, produced, you know, Kirk Martin on the coaching staff, Coda Martin, who uh, who came in as a Texas A&M transfer this past year. I think that uh, that we stand a really good chance to get him, especially after Michael Dukes picked uh, Clemson over the weekend. 
and then Stephen Linton, uh, defensive end from Dublin, Georgia. Uh, I think we were mostly competing with like ASU, USF, and like Mizzou. Mizzou obviously um, has the issue of a uh, postseason ban coming up. No comment on whether that was legit or not. I know most people think it's BS. I would tend to agree, but um, maybe that impacts his decision a little bit. Um, and I'll always take some some help along the defensive line. Obviously, there aren't very many, and then you really shouldn't put much stock into like the twenty four seven crystal ball because it's some guys, literally people that are less qualified even than us, just there 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 are guys who know what they're talking about. Oh, yeah. There are guys who are just kind of throwing their throwing to the wall. Um, the three who have put in submissions do think he'll go to Syracuse. So if they're right great um when usually when you see like 18 people say they're all going to the same place then that you can take yeah. stock into it because that usually includes like some of the better guys at that site but otherwise it's like kind of a weird amalgamation of people and you don't really know who the votes are coming from unless you subscribe sometimes like when um, <laughs> like when ohio state hasn't offered anyone but yet seven of the 10 votes say that they're going to ohio state yes like that um so he, I mean, there at least seems like some indication that he, we may get him. Uh, Johnson, like you said, seems like a pretty good bet considering he played with Martin, and we've been in on him pretty, uh, pretty strong late. And that's one of the one of the things that's happened with the the change in recruiting the recruiting calendar is you you do get to like focus fire more on guys these last two months and and really identify um, the spots that you need to recruit hard versus early before when you were working on locking down everyone all the way up until February now. You, it basically takes two plus, like honestly, like nine or ten weeks of pressure off of the coaches, and they allow it allows them to just really find out who else is out there and and get like a full, almost like a full recruitment on someone, even if they weren't really heavily in on them before December. Yeah, I agree. I think that's pretty awesome. I think it's great to, I think it's great from a from a planning perspective. I think you really get to get a feel for your roster. You start to know a little bit more about you know, who, who's leaving. I, I think that the, the one problem is, is probably the coaching carousel, unfortunately. And yeah, and coaches have really taken really advantage, taken of, advantage it. of that. And I do hope that players start to, I mean, obviously we've only had the early signing, period, uh, early signing period for two years. I do hope the players start to wise up to that a bit. And um, also I think there have been proposals where like, I think Bud Elliott, obviously he doesn't get to propose the NCAA, but what he said was like, if the head coach, coordinator, or position coach leaves, like the person should be freed from their early signing, and I, I'm, I'm kind of with that. Like those are the the most impactful person people. Um, obviously, sometimes their lead recruiter is is different, but that's kind of a hard thing to define. But like, if you're an offensive lineman, and like especially at that kind of position, or a quarterback, and you and a big factor is like I really want to go play for this quarterback coach or this offensive line coach, and they leave like the day after the, the uh, signing day or like a week after the early signing period, that's a really tough spot. And that happens so much now. Guys who head coaches completely know they're in a fire or um, know the guys leaving for a bigger job will say like, hey, please just stay on till this point and then you can go. And that's completely unfair to the players because, you know, it's hard to it's hard for players to say they know they're being lied to by their future head coach who they're committing to play for. Right. Um, so it's just an odd great situation. So hopefully we rectify that. But uh I do think there are a lot of benefits for all sides because at the same time, the early signing period allows for players who might get recruited over uh, to to lock themselves in and 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 uh, you know make sure they have a place for the program they want to play for. And there are multiple sides to that as well. But uh, you do you do hope that we start to to get even more player focused rule passes, which there have been a number of to the begrudgingly to the NCAA's credit recently. But there is still way more work to do. 
Yeah, I, I would have to agree there. I think, you know, they're, what I do like, though, is that there are, I feel like they're getting more rules out in front of people sooner to start discussing. Um, I think you're starting to see, you know, all, all the, the head coaching conferences are really starting to bring some rules to the table. Obviously, the Power Five being able to propose rules um, kind of like unilaterally in, in many cases. And it doesn't mean they're going to pass, but it means that they're likely to. Um, I, I think is a, is a great step in the right direction. So hopefully we see more of that. Wrapping up here, since we have a few minutes left, a um, little bracketology, keeping in mind that this is all going to change day by day and is not at all guaranteed for uh, you know what happens later on. Um, right now, looking at SB Nation to keep everything in-house, Syracuse is a seven seed in the Midwest that is Kansas City for the final two rounds. Uh, they are set to face St. John's, which I don't love. Um, I mentioned that in the Bracketology article today, that St. John's is very talented, pretty motivated against us in particular. Um, would not want to face them. Could also set up, though, a, a second-round matchup with Kansas, which could be interesting. Yeah, St. John's has been sliding a lot lately. There's a chance they miss the tournament altogether. Um, Shimori Pons scares the hell out of me. I don't want to play him. Uh, like you said, St. John's, for whatever reason, just gets way up for us, um, as evidenced by recent losses against them. Um, it wouldn't be, uh, you know, it'd be in a neutral site. They have us out in Des Moines, so I don't yeah. think there'd be any Johnny's fans <laughs> out there. I think we'd have a pretty, pretty solidly Syracuse contingent out there. But that being said, I think I'm looking at the other 10 seeds. I'd rather play Alabama. I'd rather play TCU again. Just there, who knows what's going on with that program. And I'd rather play Arizona State again. So, um, yeah, I, that would be my least uh, ideal of the, the four ten seeds that Chris has laid out for us here. Yeah, I, uh, I would also mention that um, while Chris didn't have us in the West bracket this time around, a lot of other brackets do. Um, I am very excited about that potential. Not that I would end up in the early games at you know Salt Lake, but if we got through the first couple of rounds, um, I, I would you, love... You wouldn't tie in a trip to see your beloved Jazz? To be honest, well, first of all, I'm, I'm actually I've been I've been picking out merch, and I will be I will actually be in Salt Lake in June, so I'm I'm gonna head over to the uh, Vent Home Theater or whatever the hell it is arena, and <laughs> gonna go get myself some jazz gear so I can rep my team because you could not pay me to believe that the Knicks are actually gonna get the players that they think they're gonna get. You wait, you don't think they're getting Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving, and this hasn't all been a a genius plan from the James Dolan administration that, uh, and they, they already have everything locked up. I, I, I don't believe it. I, everything that I've seen from the Knicks my entire life has led me to believe that that's uh, feasible. Go Jazz. <laughs> Lifelong Jazz fan. <laughs> Lifelong Jazz fan. Uh, but, uh, well, I mean, if you go back to NBA Jam and, or Hang Time, depending on which version you played, I was always with Jazz because they were the, one of the best teams in the entire game. But, alas, um, yeah, I uh, I saw some Vegas odds today that uh, that made it like a thirty three percent chance they get Durant, like a thirty percent chance they get Kyrie or something, and that's all horse shit. <laughs> like that's that's getting its fans excited and getting to bet on stupid things. Getting to bet on stupid the things. Then it's going to end up with Tobias Harris, Kemba Walker, and Cam Reddish. Yeah, I don't, I don't even know if they're going to end up with Cam Reddish. <laughs> <laughs> they're going to find a way to screw this up, and they're going to end up like. Well, they can't fall out of the top six now. No. So who's like who's the fifth put in this draft? Is there one? Is there? Do they even draft after four? We're gonna end up draft. <laughs> we're gonna just end up drafting Euro Trash and stashing him for two years. 
<laughs> drafting your somehow falling to sits and drafting a the Euro next Porzingis would be unbelievable. I would I would honestly walk out into the middle of the street and burn every Knicks merchant piece of merchandise that I have. I would I would just be a hundred percent done. Like I, I'm already done to be honest, but like, but, but that they, they can still win you back by some. Like, admit it, like, we, we've all had these moments with our teams. Like, they can still win you back. You the, might the, adopt the Jazz in the meantime. Yeah, there's a Hail Mary shot that they, that, they can, yeah. that they can win me back this calendar year. But I'd like to mention that the Syracuse is down three. Um, yeah. But, <laughs> but really, realistically, though, like, the Knicks aren't getting me back. Because, like, I, I know the Knicks. And the fact that I've lasted this long, to be honest, is uh, pretty miraculous. I will say, like, part of me, I don't really want the Knicks to be. I don't want the Knicks to be. I don't. I don't hate them um, as a Nets fan. I don't want them getting Durant and Irving because that'd be bad for us. There. But the potential moodiness of that team would be so great. It would be the most emo team on earth. It'd be the most 2003 Zonga blog <laughs> NBA team of all time. Man, like, yeah, like the the, the, the lyrics, like it 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 would just be. Their away messages would be fire. We'd be li- we'd be live journal the team. <laughs> just so many feelings feelings ball would be out of control yeah I, i'd be all about it um anyway um without going bracket by bracket i will i will skip ahead and uh, dan feel free to read while i'm doing this looking at chris's bracket um i'll take duke over purdue in the east i'll take louisville over houston in the west Give me Virginia over Virginia over Marquette in the South, and I'm gonna have to go with Tennessee over North Carolina in the Midwest. Though, really, I could easily pick four ACC teams. Uh, I'm looking. This doesn't look that radical. I mean, I guess Chris doesn't do the thing like Lenardi, where he just changes lots of stuff every time he does this. Um, he still has Kentucky and Duke in the East. I'm not nothing nothing that I've seen over the last however many uh, days since we've lost our podcast uh, has wavered me from those. In the West, I really want to pick Buffalo. Um, I really really want to pick Buffalo. I think they could beat Michigan. Louisville. I'm still like have my same thoughts as last week on Louisville. I'll draw Michigan. Um, Gonzaga looks good. I know Gonzaga is taking over. Like they have a lot of heat on them. As of late, I'm actually going to jump back to Nevada. I think uh, I don't know. I think there's there's enough veteran leadership there. They they are tournament uh, tested, and I also don't want to pick all one and two. So I'm going Michigan Nevada, um, which would be a really fun game. Um, in the South, uh, I'm still riding Virginia. Although Virginia Texas Tech Sweet 16 would be an absolute slugfest. In the bottom. Uh, Michigan State just lost to Illinois tonight, like moments yeah. ago. That I, I don't buy in Michigan State, Sparty, especially no. with, with Langford out now for the season. Um, Marquette, I'm still not sold on. I kind of like Iowa. Right. I know they had a bad slide for a bit there. Um, they're getting healthier. I'm not going to pick them to go to the Elite Eight because that's crazy, but I, I do think there's something there. Um, Florida State, I could see too. This is a really weird set uh, quadrant. Stuart, I'm going to do Iowa. I'm going to be weird this week after I picked, like, all chalk last week, and then I'll take Virginia to win. Uh, and then uh, I still like Tennessee, um, although Vatek, if they uh, shoot better than what they did in NC State, we've seen how dangerous they can be. Syracuse, Kansas, I 
I would not want to be the Jayhawks, honestly. I don't think they match up well with us. Uh, right. From from their perspective, I think we could definitely beat them. I don't pick. I don't think I'd pick it, but uh, they definitely could win that. Um, I will go with UNC uh, against Tennessee in that region. Fair enough. So I've gone. I've gotten weirder here uh, with my picks from last week, where it was very chalky. All right, and yeah, if I, if I'm picking a champ out of this, um, I would be picking Louisville over Duke and Virginia over Tennessee. So Louisville Virginia final that would be uh that would be hated by by most of the rest of the country. Um I will go I picked Kentucky last week, right? I picked them to beat you Duke did. last week. Um I should stick with that. I'll take Kentucky to beat Michigan and then I'll go Virginia and I'll go UNC. So I'm going Virginia, Kentucky. I think I had that last week too. I'm going to end up with it again. Fair enough. Cool. Well, uh, hopefully Syracuse comes back. They're down four. They've been down between three and four after being down 20. We still have like 12 minutes left. So a lot of basketball ahead of us tonight. I I, I actually like our odds at this point. Um, Yeah, we're we're outstoring them only 16 to 12 in the second half. But like they're after the 20-point deficit. I mean – you can do the math. We, we've been really kind of killing them. And uh, we still haven't really hit a ton of threes either. We're only four for 17. They are down. Uh, as I said, I didn't expect them to shoot 78% from three. Um, they were seven of nine when I said that. They're now nine for 17. So math is uh, starting to work its way back into our favor. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I have no idea how this game will end. But uh, it w- is not the, the crazy blowout that we that it looked like for a minute there. Agreed. Well, said, fingers crossed. And uh, anyway, that was Dan. I'm John. Thank you, everybody, for listening to Troy Noons and Absolute Podcast presents Syracuse Sports Make Me Drink. You can rate, review, subscribe on Blog Talk, on iTunes, and wherever else you listen to podcasts. And uh, go Orange. Go Orange. At Jared, we know devotion isn't a once-a-year occasion. And once the flowers have wilted and the chocolates have disappeared, you'll still want them to know how much you care. Dare to give a gift that lasts this Valentine's Day with our incredible selection of jewelry. From delicate rose gold to bold black diamonds, Jared has hundreds of pieces under $299 and exclusive collections you won't find anywhere else. Shop online or find a store near you at jared.com and dare to be devoted. At Jared, we know devotion isn't a -a once-a-year occasion. And once the flowers have wilted and the chocolates have disappeared, you'll still want them to know how much you care. Dare to give a gift that lasts this Valentine's Day with our incredible selection of jewelry. From delicate rose gold to bold black diamonds, Jared has hundreds of pieces under $299 and exclusive collections you won't find anywhere else. Shop online or find a store near you at jared.com and dare to be devoted.